I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and welcome to Episode 8 of Restore Freedom Weekly. Unfortunately, YouTube didn't like our uh, video last week where we were talking about, I believe it was House Bill 5710. Anyway, uh, a bill currently in the Michigan uh, legislature sponsored by or introduced by State Rep Ryan Berman, uh, who is also running for Michigan Attorney General. Uh, and in talking about that bill, uh, apparently that was medical misinformation again. So we're in timeout on YouTube. Following us on any other social media, uh, I, the one thing I guess I would say is with all its hiccups so far, Oh, there we go. I think we're back. There is a definite delay here, so um, not sure how this is going to go today. Um, all right, so um, we um, we encourage you, even though we're having technical difficulties, uh, especially when it comes to uh, streaming live on Rumble, that you do find us on Rumble, Restore Freedom on Rumble, uh, and um, that you follow our live streams on there as much as possible because we are shadow banned on the major platforms and just outright uh, put in timeout on ones like YouTube. So if you are following us on one of those other Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, YouTube, et cetera, uh, please make sure to follow us on Rumble to watch these. Okay. So, and, and not just the weekly shows, but any other uh, videos or things that we will post. Um, experimenting with times that might work, I'm thinking maybe in the noon hour on Tuesdays is going to be the way to go to do um, the weekly show at a consistent time. But uh, if you guys have any thoughts or comments on that, please let us know uh, because we want to make sure it's at a time where it's going to work the best uh, for the people who want to watch and learn about the Constitution. Uh, so it looks like my background is doing some weird stuff. I don't have anything funky in my hair. That's <laughs> the blurring effect being a little weird today. So sorry about that, guys. Okay, so I want to start us off, as uh, almost always, with um, just starting in God's Word. And today, thanks to my husband, I wanted to um, bring us to Proverbs 25.8 of the NIV, in case you're following along. Proverbs 25.8, do not bring hastily to court, for what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? So why did I pick this? Why do I think this one says it all? Well, 
today's episode or this week's episode, what I want to do is, uh, first of all, you know, not that we're obviously going to see each other, but raise your hand if you have uh, been asking around for an attorney to help you with anything, especially COVID related in the last two years. Raise your hand if you have reached out in some way, shape or form asking for any kind of legal advice or guidance or representation from me anytime in the last two years. If you're watching this video, chances are you probably have uh, asked in some way, shape or form for the um, uh, representation or guidance or advice on a particular issue. Um, so uh, why do I bring that up? Well, I'm only one person and I'm doing all this work on a volunteer basis. Uh, that's why your donations mean so much to me because it keeps the lights on. It keeps the internet supposedly working, <laughs> except for uh, episodes like today. Uh, it keeps me being able to buy a toner for the, the printer to print the cases, to read up on and, and keep informed and to have the $25 a month rumble streaming and pay for StreamYard to do multiple streaming and all those other kinds of things, right? So um, at any rate... Um, I'm not able to take on uh, individual cases at this point because it's just too impossible for me to work on the intricacies of doing top-notch work for any client as an individual or a particular organization and at the same time stay abreast of all of the cases that are coming out in the state of Michigan and the Court of Appeals in Michigan and the Michigan Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, to follow what's going on in the Michigan legislature and the Florida state legislature uh, and basically things that are happening all around our country and at times all around our world. Uh, and to be able to do that and to be able to focus on the minutia of a particular case um, when I don't have any paid staff, I have Mike and I have Lori and they do their best, but they got a lot of other stuff going on. Um, Lord knows that the only way we're paying our personal bills right now is because my husband is working and uh, being in a new job in a new state, he took a significant pay cut. Uh, ironically enough, though, he works for a Michigan owned company. And for the first time in our entire marriage, we now have Michigan dental insurance. Eh, go figure. Um but at uh, any rate, uh, I, there's just, I don't have the assistance. I don't have people that are helping me um, with, you know, researching cases or keeping, you know, close eye on certain bills and, and doing a lot of the legwork in that respect. So I could jump right on in, focusing on what's uh, important and go from there. By the way, if any of you uh, would love to do that, um, we have tried to get in uh, some licensed attorneys and paralegals and other people like that who are willing to help for brief periods of time. But uh, oftentimes the time it took me to get them up to speed and kind of trained on what we do and how we do it. Um, by the time that all happened, um, they weren't able to keep devoting um, consistent time after that to being able to fulfill that role. So if you're willing to do that on a long-term basis, we'd love to have your help so that we can expand what we're doing and try to help more people. But because I am only one person, and our our office is very small. I mean, like literally and figuratively speaking, uh, I just can't take on the cases. But I want you to not be left out in the cold, so to speak, when it comes to a legal matter that you have, especially when it comes to all this garbage uh, with the government and the COVID nonsense and uh, government overreaching, et cetera. I want you to know, because quite frankly, 
in the end, and I've been saying this long before COVID, if I'm doing a good enough job as an attorney and educating the public, which is our duty, especially in the state of Michigan, that's written right into our professional rules of conduct. If I'm doing my job to educate the public, then by the time my career is over, there won't be a need for attorneys because at least in the state of Michigan or whatever other state I end up helping in uh, between now and you know when I'm 306 and I finally get to retire, um, those people are going to be um, best suited with the right tools to represent themselves, saving a ton of money, uh, which isn't bad, but to you have your own best interest at heart. Way too many times attorneys uh, don't mind collecting the big paycheck from people, but they're not willing to do the work. They're not willing to keep educated on what's happening and how to stay um up to speed on what court cases there are out there, what the legislature has been doing different, what um, are these things even constitutional, whatever the case may be. Far too many times attorneys fail their clients. So uh, you look at all those factors and quite honestly, no matter what your profession is or what your level of education is, uh, formal education, I my goal is to educate you so that you can understand the law, that you can understand the cases, that you can understand the statutes, that you can understand the constitution, that you can fight for yourself, for your children, that you can help to save our freedom. So um, that's what today is all about. That's what today's episode is all about. And if you do, now I know that there's um, lots of, you know, parts in the Bible, not necessarily lots, but there are some parts in the Bible that talk about trying to work something out uh, with each other first, or to use a mediator. We know Jesus was the great mediator. Uh, for those of you who don't know about me, I've actually been a mediator a lot longer than I've been a licensed attorney. I've mediated thousands of cases to successful completion where we're able to come to um, an agreed upon solution that works for people and keeps things out of uh, the hands of a judge and or jury. Um, and, and civil and criminal and restorative justice matters, all, all of that. Um, but um, in the end, uh, we do sometimes have to take things to court. Maybe mediation doesn't work. Maybe, um, we've tried as I believe it's in Matthew, uh, that says, you know, you have to go to your brother directly or your neighbor directly. And if the concerns you have are voiced appropriately and it's not heard, then you come back and you bring two witnesses and you try to work things out that way. And if that doesn't work, you bring it to the church. And if that doesn't, you know, so at some point though, you might actually need to go to a court of law, especially if you're not dealing with a believer, if you're dealing with a government agency or a government official or something like that, um, where God has been far too removed from the whole process itself, um, you sometimes still need to go to court. But uh, whether you're an attorney, whether you're not an attorney, whether you're representing yourself or whether you're paying somebody else the big bucks to do the hard work, you should not go into court unprepared. If you are hasty in that decision to bring something to court, if you are hasty uh, in how you respond to something or in what you're filing or, you know, a lot of people are like so excited these days about let's let's sue the governor. Let's sue this person. Let's do that. And everybody's all so happy. But at the same time, they're not truly putting in the the good background and the and the homework necessary to make something um beneficial okay and so what is 
Proverbs 25, 8 getting to, don't go too hastily to court because if you do, in the end, there's a good chance your neighbor could put you to shame. And then what are you left with? So let's make sure that if you do end up in court or even you're just trying to avoid court, but you're looking at all your options, please make sure to be prepared. And let's figure out how to best do that today. Now, is this going to teach you how to do your own case start to finish? Uh, that would probably be a year long course I would have to teach. And maybe I will someday. I'm, I'd love to be able to have some funding so that we can get that kind of thing going, get some materials mailed out to people. I do want to start uh, doing some specific courses where we're going item by item and you have a little bit of homework in between each session, that kind of thing. Uh, but let's get started um, with what we have uh, going on. Um, okay, I just want to make sure I tend to forget that there's comments. And um, oh, I'm looking for why there's no YouTube comments. Because <laughs> I'm not streaming there because we're in time out there. Um, and Rumble doesn't quite give us comments here. So it looks like the only comments I'm going to be seeing that are live here are on Facebook. But please keep in mind, we do our best to go back and look um, at the Rumble feed and things like that. And Lori, uh, awesomeness, um, uh, Restore Freedom is her last name in my phone. That's um, not her real last name. <laughs> but anyway, you'll see her commenting. Uh, she also does a good job at trying to keep up live with what we have on different social media platforms as well. So we will do our best to answer questions in live time. Uh, but just keep in mind, um, the best way to have questions answered uh, is to um, right now probably just post those to the Facebook live feed that we have going on. All right. So um, in order to get started, let's see, what is the best thing? Let's see. Okay. So what I want to do is, um, well, I'm going to back up uh, and do something I wasn't going to do and let you know that we're talking about cases. We're going to talk about case precedent. Um, dare I say, if I say the word case law and mean it, uh, please reach through this stream and um, smack me because that's that's not a thing and it's something that i am you know of course as with any other attorney and and judge i was conditioned to think of that being such a thing but what's really important is if we look at um article one like i can't find the beginning of the constitution here article one of the u.s constitution all all Legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. You know, I'm going to pause real quick. I wasn't going to do this. I'm really going um, AWOL from my uh, post today, but give me a second. I'll grab the Black's Law Dictionary if I can remember where I keep it. All right, just to make sure that I am giving you the full context here. Oh, let's see. Wow. There's a lot of stuff here. Um, I want to see if the exact 
term legislative power um, is in, there it is, couldn't see it at first, uh, apologize for that, in the Black's Law Dictionary. Now my version is a wee bit old, but this, um, I can almost guarantee you the definition hasn't really changed in the last 200 years or so. Um, the definition in Black's Law Dictionary of legislative power is the power to make laws and to alter them. A legislative's body, a legislative body's exclusive, exclusive authority to make, amend, and repeal laws. Okay. Um, and then it gives some examples, yada, yada. Um, but what I find interesting, because we're talking about the judicial branch, is a legislative body may not delegate its authority to the judicial branch, and the judicial branch may not encroach on legislative duties. That's just Black's Law Dictionary. Has no authoritative, you know, it's not binding, so to speak, but um, a lot of courts reference it on a lot of, um, in a lot of cases, in a lot of different contexts. So, all right. Um, why is that so important? Because what I'm telling you today is how to read legal briefs, how to go through, find um, some case precedent that can help you since our society is brainwashed to think at times the cases are more important than the laws themselves, or dare I say the constitution. Um, so it's important to recognize that laws, the legislative power, is vested solely and exclusively in uh, Congress for the United States. In uh, let's see, I'm going to go off of um, off of memory here. In the Michigan State Constitution, I believe that's going to be uh, Article Four, Section One. And in the Florida State Constitution, there is also uh, a similar uh, provision providing that all legislative power goes exclusively to the legislature in almost every state. And there's always Louisiana adds a little funk to things. Um, but I can almost guarantee you that no matter where you are living, no matter which state you are living in, your state constitution does vest the legislative power, all legislative power in your legislature, your state legislature. With that being said, uh, then we can look at the judicial branch. Okay, so the U.S. Constitution, Article 3 uh, is where, Section 1 is where it says, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is right. You get to blame the congressmen and women for creating all of the courts that exist because it's not as simple as you think it is. Uh, for example, uh, as an attorney, I was licensed uh, to practice in, um, in federal district court, but then bankruptcy court was its own thing. And I had to learn all those rules and procedures and um, whatnot. So uh, that's different from state court. That's different from the United States Supreme Court. Uh, all different areas that I've had to gain admittance to practice and uh, study um, a lot to keep up on things that are changing. Uh, so 
you can thank uh, Congress for making that part overly complicated. Uh, the Michigan State Constitution um, is uh, Article 6, Section 1. The Florida State Constitution is Article 5, Section 1. And uh, that is where you will find that it is the judicial branch that has the power to uh, the judicial power. Now, what is judicial power? Let's go ahead and look at that. Um, again, I am, I wasn't planning on, on looking all, all these things up. So it's, um, these are things that should be so straightforward that looking them up on the go, these things should make sense. These definitions should be cohesive with what we think they are. Unfortunately, I am not finding the J's in my Black's Law Dictionary. Here we go. Uh, judicial, sometimes. It is hard for attorneys to spell. Um, I'm almost there, I promise. Oh, there we go. Judicial power. Okay. So, according to Black's Law Dictionary, the definition of judicial power is the authority vested in courts and judges to hear and decide cases and to make binding judgments on them. On the cases, binding judgments on the cases that are before them. The power to construe and apply the law when controversies arise over what has been done and not done under it to construe and apply the law. Oh, that's going to be a whole nother conversation, isn't it? All right. So uh, we will uh, dive right in now to, so those are the constitutional provisions. Okay. If you're looking, if you want to follow along and you didn't catch that, uh, the United States constitution, um, article three is the judicial power section one uh, vested in the Supreme Court and, and any inferior courts that Congress has created. Michigan Constitution, Article 6, Section 1. Florida State Constitution, Article 5, Section 1. That is where you will find the judicial power being vested in the courts. All right. So now that we have that behind us, I want to jump into the, um, the resources I have for you that are listed in the um, description of the video here today. The very first one, I got to think, which order did I do these in? Um, okay, I think I got it. <laughs> um, the very first one, get my screen share going here. All right, is for the uh, Allegan County case. So this is my case from election day, uh, November 3rd, 2020, which yes, is still going on because the judge has moved the trial date six or seven times. We are now scheduled for trial in June. Yeah. All right. So, uh, on my website, there is a button at the top of the resources tab, um, top of the documents tab, excuse me. That's the Allegan County election 
uh, day case, all documents in Allegan County trespass case. Um, it's a blue button right here. We'll figure out how to make that a little bit easier to see because it almost looks like it's more of a heading and not a button itself, but it is a button as of right now. So if you click that, once you're in the documents part of our resources page, it'll take you to, um, we tried to create um, very easy to see um, way to break things down. So there's um, all the documents that I have filed. I have the substantive due process appeal, meaning the deputies had no authority to even arrest me in the first place. So I had my motion for immediate consideration and my application to appeal. I had my appendix. Uh, that includes um, the motion to dismiss and my brief in support. I had the prosecutor's response. I had my reply brief. I had my first 14 exhibits. Uh, then I had my second appendix, which included my motion to compel discovery from the prosecutor, court orders and documents, uh, transcripts for the hearings that I had, uh, other exhibits. And uh, I also included a copy of the procedural due process appeal that I had filed in circuit court. There is a statement um, required by court rule. I included the prosecutor's answer to my motion for immediate consideration, their answer to my application to appeal, my reply brief, and then of course my appendix that has all those exhibits that go with that. They have violated my rights in not just the initial case, uh, the initial context of the what happened on election day itself, but everything they've done since then, the law enforcement officials, the prosecutor's office, the courts have violated my rights. Uh, if you want to simply state it, my due process rights, my statutory rights, rights guaranteed to me by the Constitution, uh, by court rule. Uh, they have violated so many, I can't even count them all. And all of that I put into a procedural due process appeal. And I explain in there uh, on the website, that means I was appealing the illegal actions of the judge and prosecutor. So you could see my motion for immediate consideration and application to appeal for the procedural due process reasons. My um, uh, appendix, those are the exhibits, the prosecutor's motion to dismiss my appeal and my response to the prosecutor's motion. That included my response, my brief summary to the court, my brief in support of that, and my new appendix exhibits. So that's all just in that case alone. And when you click on these, um, the appendix now in uh, what we're putting together for the Michigan Supreme Court, at this point, it's something like 678 pages of documentation that we have uh, submitted uh, to the courts in, in these appeals. Um, not in duplication. That's just one copy of, of, of each of the documents. It's long, but um, I'm walking you through this because I want you to see that there are, number one, there's a lot of great things in here that you can use that are applicable to almost any question that you have put before us in the last two years, whether it comes to discrimination based on masks, discrimination based on uh, vaccination status, um, them keeping schools closed or requiring masks in schools or on school buses or public transportation being fired or disciplined because of some COVID policies, uh, not being able to attend college classes you're paying for, uh, not being able to 
um, utilize public uh, resources, uh, being prohibited from going into a government building or voting. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, being denied medical care, um, being kicked out of um, Section 8 or other subsidized government housing. Um, discrimination in a wide variety of ways, uh, questions that so many of you have been asking of uh, business closures, how to stay open, uh, how to fight against DHHS or the governor's orders, or what is the attorney general doing? You know, things like Marlena's situation or those uh, hairstylists that did Operation Haircut back, I want to say it was May, maybe May 7th or something like that of 2020. All of those cases, there's stuff in my briefs here related to my trespass case, there's stuff in my briefs that will help any of those kinds of situations. So when I say that this is stuff that's important to help you, uh, it, it really is. It really is. Even I even had somebody reach out to us. Um, Lori, you know, off, she does her best to tell me about it every now and then Michael jump in and, and send a response. Um, but I've had people reach out to needing help on custody issues or, you know, all kinds of different, you know, things that you think don't really necessarily have to do with COVID or whatnot. But if your due process rights are implicated in any way, shape or form in any kind of case or government action at all, please look at these briefs, look at this information. And here's how we're going to break it down even further to make it more um, understandable. So um, I am. Um, well, you know what, I'm going to come back to this election day trespass case because I want to tie that into more of a discussion and then the challenge, uh, or the way to get involved for the week. Um, real quick, I'm going to jump over though, to the other documents and other resources we have, uh, back on our resources tab under the documents section, we have, uh, one of the main headings is other court case documents. So you could see the documents that I filed in the Michigan Supreme court and court of appeals, um, uh, fighting against the governor's orders. So there's a lot of information there. I believe you can see, I might've even put some of the other, um, uh, some of the court orders and things like that were put on here as well. So please check out some of those resources because uh, obviously it has a lot to do with government overreach. Uh, the third resource I have for you this week is actually Google Scholar. I just learned about it uh, I want to say it was while I was starting the fight of uh, the COVID chaos in the spring of 2020. Uh, if you go to Google Scholar, uh, I have it um, displaying on the screen here for those of you who are listening. It defaults to articles. So when you pull it up, it has um, articles selected. Just click case. Yes, it says law, case law. It should say case precedent or cases or case orders and opinions, but it says case law. You can choose right here, uh, federal courts. I, this part changes depending on what you are looking at. I apparently most recently used this to look for federal and Florida cases uh, regarding the situation we were having down here when we were uh, in court over um, the purchase of our last, uh, the other home, the original home we were trying to purchase down here and the sellers were acting totally unscrupulous and violating a bunch of laws. And our attorney died um, in a scuba diving accident right before one of our hearings. Well, I had to jump in and do some research. So it remembers that I was looking in Florida courts for that. 
Uh, but you can select courts uh, for the purposes of today's video. I'm going to just show you when you go in here. Oh my gosh, this can seem so overwhelming. Don't worry, it's broken down by topic and, and by location. So you can have state court information. There's federal courts. Um, you can break it down. Um, let's see, as far as Michigan goes, Michigan is in the Sixth Circuit. Michigan has two federal district courts, Eastern District and Western District. Um, so you can actually just click on Eastern District and Western District, or you can actually click on Sixth Circuit, which those rulings uh, would apply and be binding for everything that's below. Well, I guess you'd have to click on Court of Appeals um, the way that they're doing it here. So the, if you click on Sixth Circuit and then Court of Appeals, that would give you, or excuse me, don't click on the Sixth Circuit box. Just click on the Court of Appeals button that shows up right below Sixth Circuit. That would give you the binding precedent as it applies to all of those other courts uh, below. So, and as I mentioned before, bankruptcy courts are their own thing. Um, let's see. Um, for those of you who are watching from Florida, Florida is in the 11th Circuit. So you can see there's a middle district, a northern district, and a southern district in Florida. And um, looks like it's just Florida, Georgia, and Alabama in the 11th Circuit, which I didn't realize. Um, Sixth Circuit, interestingly enough, has Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee. Never in a million years would I have picked Tennessee or Kentucky to be in any kind of geographic um, you know, grouping with Michigan. Ohio makes sense. There's at least a border being shared there. But at any rate, um, that's the way things are. So if you want to find case uh, information uh, particular to the state you're in, such as Michigan, you can just click all for Michigan. Uh, I would suggest you try to focus on when you're just getting started and you want to narrow things down, that you might want to click on just the Supreme Court button of Michigan, because that will help you uh, to know um, there's nothing, let me put it this way, um, when you're talking case precedent wise, there's nothing that can override a Michigan Supreme Court uh, order or opinion, except for a later Michigan Supreme Court opinion or a United States Supreme Court opinion. But uh, Court of Appeals decisions obviously can be overridden by the Michigan Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, and so sometimes it's most helpful to focus just on uh, the Supreme Court. Again, Florida has the District Court of Appeals. I, of course, filed an appeal myself um, in whipped it up in a matter of about an hour or two uh, because, well, the ridiculous situation we were put in, uh, having less than 24 hours to basically um, move mountains. Uh, anyway, um, so we ended up filing in the 5th District Court of Appeals. Um, uh, this doesn't break down different um, courts of appeal, but you can select the court of appeals or you could select Supreme Court. Um, again, it doesn't matter what state you're in. There's a little bit for everyone here. I wanted to touch base. Okay, Louisiana. Yep, court of appeals and Supreme Court. So um, with that being said, I'm just going to click on Michigan uh, Supreme Court. I'm not going to click on the box Michigan and Supreme Court, just the Supreme Court box that's underneath. And um, oh, let's see, I'm just going to leave it at that and then say done. Now I can type in a search. I can type in 
Um, you can see these are prior uh, case citations that I have popped in before to find a case. Uh, you can, you know, I don't remember if you can keyword search on this. Um, let's see, elections. Um, yep, it works. Um, it's pulling up words where elections is in a word of, of the case. It's pulling up where elections is in the title. Uh, so, and I limited my, um, my search just to Michigan Supreme Court. So uh, you'll be able to see um, that these are in fact all Michigan Supreme Court cases, but you can have it sorted. You can um, narrow it down and say, I just wanna see what's been happening in 2022. Or I want to, for whatever reason, it's allowing us to trim it back just to this year or this year and last year or since 2018. You can also just sort it by date. So it's just sorting it. It's not just limiting it, um, filtering it. Um, and let's see here. Yep, you can change right here what you're looking for if you want to go to federal courts, et cetera. It's telling us that in 0.05 seconds, it found 323 results. If you are trying to follow along, uh, if you're trying to find a case and you are feeling overwhelmed by what you're seeing and you don't know where to turn, I would suggest narrowing it down, just like you narrowed down on the last screen to just the Supreme Court for your state, narrow down to the most recent cases. Start with that and see if you get anything. And right here, we see there are two cases that the Michigan Supreme Court has published this year. If you're looking for anything on elections, those cases are actually very relevant and that would give you a good starting place, okay? So that gives you the three resources to check out. Um, again, if you're looking for what they are, the, the link to them is all uh, in the description of today's video. And um, let me just take a brief... Um, pause just to look through and see if we um, don't have any questions right now. So I just want to go through this real quick. Um, all right. So if you are back on my website, if you go to the Allegan uh, County trespass case button, and um, it's also the first link of our resources in the description of the video, uh, I want you to go ahead and click on the substantive due process. Um, Hmm. Yes, let's go ahead and focus on that very briefly. Um, a lot of you have asked questions about, uh, you know, this, um, they're trying to exclude me. They're, they're trying to, I've been arrested for trespassing or they're threatened to arrest me. Uh, we've heard cases in the national news about being, our parents being arrested uh, for trespass, being on school property to pick up their children, but there was some political issue going on or whatever. Um, so click on application to appeal. All right. Um, so this is my brief. Um, a couple of things I want to point out to you here, uh, things to look for. The very top, and, and I will say in each state, this looks a little bit different. In federal court, it looks a little bit different than state court, but there are a lot of similarities. And no matter which state you are in, if you are following along, um, you're going to see something either the same or very similar. Um, it might just be in a different portion of the document. Um, so you see that uh, the people, the state of Michigan is the 
plaintiff, essentially, uh, the appellee. I am the defendant slash appellant. I'm the one that is bringing this case or brought this case to the Michigan Court of Appeals. You'll see that listed up here. Uh, the Court of Appeals case number, at the time I filed it, there was no case yet. So um, there was no case number to fill in. It is later um, let's see, did they put it on there? No, they don't put it on the side, but um, it later did receive a, a court of appeals case number uh, because the case originated in district court. And then I appealed to the circuit court and then I appealed to the court. You'll see that there's the court of appeals number that would be here, the circuit court number and the lower court. know if you're seeing what I'm seeing. Okay. looks like we're back uh, again today, guys. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully uh, you're able to still, despite all these technical difficulties that we're having. And uh, hopefully my husband is able to hear this. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully you guys, hopefully you guys can, can see and hear this, um, episode. I am, I'm really sorry. We're having all these technical difficulties. Um, Scott, it's actually not, it's, it's not Facebook because it's happening on my end and I'm actually streaming through StreamYard so I can go to, uh, Facebook and Rumble and Twitter all at the same time. So I apologize that we're having these technical difficulties. Um, hopefully we can get it resolved soon, but I, this is really important stuff. It's an important piece that I want each of you to have. Um, a lot of attorneys don't even know some of this stuff. So I just want to walk you guys through this. Um, and my, and keep in mind, I've been working on appeals for, um, several years now. I was working with, um, a particular well-known uh, Christian um, um, organization that was doing appeals work in um, mostly U.S. Supreme Court, but in other cases as well, and uh, other courts as well. But um, I was working with a team, and so I was working right in the substance of things. Uh, it wasn't until February of 2020 that I was asked to come in and do. Uh, an amicus brief in the Michigan Supreme Court on a very important vaccine-related issue. Uh, God works in mysterious ways, but 
uh, in that I had to teach myself in a span of three weeks, not only the substance of the, the law involved uh, or the substance and procedure that the case itself had gone through to that point, but also the procedures on how to even do an appeal, how to write a brief, uh, how to write a brief as an, as an amicus and not just a named party. So um, it's hard. It is extremely hard. And I didn't have a whole heck of a lot of help. Uh, there are a couple attorneys here and there, Aaron Marcino um, and uh, my friend John Cece. Uh, the two of them uh, were able to answer questions as, as I called them. But really, for the most part, I was teaching myself how to do this. So um, how to do all of the, the putting this stuff together. So a lot of attorneys really don't even know how to do this. Um, at any rate, appeals um, are very specific. They're a lot different than um, briefs that you would see in, in lower courts. Um, and uh, this right here, I was um, asking for oral argument. So if you find yourself appealing something, um, that is one of the things that you would want to do is, is state whether your um, um, oral argument is being requested. And we had a trial date set for April 28th, 2021, when I wrote this brief. So um, there's a court rule um, that there's a notice I had to put in here. This emergency appeal requires appellate relief prior to the trial date of 42821. Um, and so here you go in the Michigan Supreme Court, uh, Court of Appeals, etc. Oh, I wanted to show you this, what they do, I guess I, start, I gotta stop trying to point with my fingers because you're not seeing my screen that way. You're seeing it uh, through my mouse. But um, on the side here in green, it's, and my mouse is moving really slow. Um, you can see that it says received by MCOA, Michigan Court of Appeals, uh, April 9th, 2021 at 3.06 a.m. <laughs> because I was working literally nonstop around the clock every single day to try to go through and churn out brief after brief when uh, court after court kept denying my rights. So uh, on this brief, you'll see the table of contents. There's an index of authorities. Um, I'll just, and by the way, this is all clickable. So you can click and it'll jump right to the index of authorities. It shows you in order uh, the particular statutes I was referencing in the um, in the brief. Then I jumped to the Michigan court rules and it shows you which page numbers they're on. So this might be helpful if you already know what law you're looking at uh, in your own case or in your own situation. You just want to see if I've already mentioned it in a brief somewhere. This will tell you right here if I have. Um, you can also do control F when you have this open and it will find where those parts are. I then um, identified which parts of the constitution. This right here, constitution 1963 is actually the Michigan constitution. That's how the court rules require you to cite Michigan constitution parts. And um, the U.S. constitution preamble, I guess I'm not sure why I spelled out the word constitution there, <laughs> but that was at three o'clock in the morning. So what can I say? Um, then these are all the cases that I cited with the page numbers. Uh, and so you could see if it's a U.S., it's a U.S. Uh, Supreme Court case. If it says Mitch App, that's a Michigan Court of Appeals case. Uh, let's see. If it just says Mitch, that's a Michigan Supreme Court case. Um, I don't think I referenced any lower um, like um, Court of Appeals cases from the U.S. Uh, district courts or um, um 
like Sixth Circuit or anything like that. I believe all the federal cases I cited were right from the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, and um, I didn't put a whole lot of Michigan Court of Appeals cases, but sometimes they're the only case on point. Um, so you could see here that the, um, in fact, let me just stop and break this down. Okay, so let's look at, um, let's see, what's a good one? Oh, um, trying to find a good one. Okay. Um, so Cox v. Louisiana. Okay. There were actually two cases and both were in 1965. So this is probably a good example. Um, Cox was the, um, appellant, the person bringing the appeal, uh, Louisiana, was the state of Louisiana was uh, the appellee, the person or entity against whom the appeal was brought. And um, these numbers are important because back in the day where we really just used books and there weren't computers, um, 379, it means that is the number, that is the volume of the book. So that's telling you um, there were um, in this kind of reporting system, because the U.S. Supreme Court has had a few different reporting systems. In this reporting system, it is book 379 that you would go to. So if you see all the books behind me, you'd go all the way down to 379. Then you would open that book to page 536, and that's where you would see the start of the case. Um, the other Cox v. Louisiana, same parties, by the way, same underlying case, different things being appealed. Uh, you'll see that that case started in the same book, 379, but it was starting on page 559. So it came right back real quick. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, you'll see the year that the case was decided. That's not the case, the year the case was heard or the year the case originated. That is the year the case was decided in that particular court. Um, so this right here, I'm just citing the actual case. If you skip to, let's see, um, if we jump to page 19. Well, and then I also include other resources um, at the bottom of all the cases that are being listed. So I'm going to jump over to page 19, though. Okay, so I, I cited Cox v. Louisiana. Uh, okay, right here in footnote 26, and actually both of them, I've cited both of those Cox cases I cited in uh, uh, here, it looks like I must have been referring to them in general because in the case, um, in the citation here, I don't actually have a page number. But if we go to, um, oh, okay. There's Hague versus Committee for Industrial Organization case, footnote number 24 in this brief. Footnote number 24 on this brief is on page 19 in case you're following along. But if you see that, it says the, the name of the case, then it says 307, so that's book 307 of the United States Supreme Court decisions. It starts on page 496, that's when the case starts. But this particular quotation I am selecting is uh, found on page 513, and that's a case from 1939. So um, then um, 
I hope I'm not going too fast with this stuff, but uh, that same case, that was footnote 24. So I'm just going to jump up here and find this is where footnote 24 is. You can see the quote there. And then um, I um, have another couple of quotes and well, several. Um, and then in the end, I said the clerk, meaning the township clerk in Allegan County, um, Layton Township, the clerk then may not interfere with free access to the streets, parks, or public places of the township. And you can see that I had a quote there. Uh, because I had already cited this case in full, I'm just including the short site, which is just Hague, and that's telling you it's at page 517. Um, that's not when it starts. That's the particular quote is found on that page. And you'll see short sites throughout a brief like that. So you'll see the longer one. Um, and then this one was a case that has the name Perry um, in it. And at this point, I'm just short citing it, telling you it's the Perry case and it's on page 55. Okay, I'm going to scroll back up, though, because I don't want to get you lost in the weeds here. Um, I'm walking you through the segments of the brief. So... Um, table of contents way at the top here. By the way, if you open this up a little bit more, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to see it. Okay. You can actually see, um, each page so you can click on it. This is right through my website. Um, how the PDF viewer looks. There's also the table of contents where I painstakingly typed each and every one of these words to match what is um, on the brief. And of course, these are at times a lot shorter than what is actually in the brief because it's something you're going to see literally just on the side of your screen there. Um, so table of contents, you can jump in that way so you're not scrolling back and forth. Um, we already talked about the index of authorities. So I'm going to jump us to the statement of jurisdiction. This in a court of appeals case is telling you how that case has jurisdiction. If you are bringing anything to court, the first thing you need to do is make sure that that court has jurisdiction over the case. How do they have jurisdiction? Where do you find those things? Well, it can be a little different each time, but in this brief, it gives you an example of how I was saying this particular court has jurisdiction over this particular matter. Uh, then for appeals cases, uh, and it wouldn't be a bad idea for this to be in a in a trial level brief, but uh, statements of question statement of questions involved. So in appeals briefs in Michigan, they require you to write out what did what is the the question? What are the few questions being uh, asked in that moment? Um, and I want to say I actually started in a draft with like. 12 questions and I had to really pare it down. Sometimes you have one. Oftentimes you have two, maybe three, four is honestly, I think the most I've seen in a brief. But when you understand what happened in this case, you'll understand why all of these are in here. So just to tell you an example of what the statement of questions involved in my case, uh, the first question was, did Henry have actual lawful authority to be at the town hall on election day? Um, and again, these aren't questions somebody else came up with. These are the questions. This is the way you frame the case for the court. So the court knows what you're bringing to them and what questions you're expecting them to answer. The very first question is, did I have lawful authority to be at town hall on election day? The district court didn't answer that question. 
they've alluded to their answer, or he, the judge, has alluded to his answer in a variety of ways, but never has come out and given his, you know, blanket answer to that. The prosecutor's answer, no, I didn't have lawful authority to be there. And of course, my answer, yes, of course, I had the right to be at the town hall on election day. I had lawful authority to be there. Next, did the clerk have lawful authority to remove Henry from public property? Again, with trespassing, you're really looking at uh, two main elements. You're looking at, uh, especially with Michigan, the way the statute is worded, but in other states, it's similarly worded. Trespassing is where you're on somebody else's property and you don't have the authority to be there. And they do have the authority to ask you to go. And they've asked you to go and you don't go. That would be trespassing. So um, those are the main elements. So in the context of me being at town hall on election day, did I have lawful authority to be there? Because uh, it's interesting as to who really owns the property. And am I considered an owner? I'm a member of the general public. Uh, the uh, sheriff's deputy that day. Uh, and in fact, the sheriff himself on the phone told me that the, uh, court or excuse me, the County, the township clerk, the latent township clerk was essentially the owner of the stinking property and had the right to, uh, exclude whoever she wanted to on election day. No, no, that's not accurate at all. It's publicly owned property. But uh, the focus was first on, do I have lawful authority to be there? Then, because I do have lawful authority, we also needed to look at, and you would too in any kind of trespass situation, does the person telling you to leave have lawful authority to remove you from that property? So the specific question in my case, did the clerk have lawful authority to remove Henry from public property. The district court's answer um, was, uh, oh, I said no. I don't remember saying no to that. Um, but anyway, the prosecuting attorney uh, said, yes, the, dis the, the clerk had lawful authority to remove me. Um, and of course, I said, no, the clerk didn't have the right to remove me. Uh, the third question, do misdemeanor accused, so those people charged with misdemeanors, uh, have a right to seek legal pre-trial, before your trial, relief under Michigan Court Rule 2.116, motion to dismiss, or under Michigan Court Rule 2.504B2, an involuntary dismissal. So do, do you have the right when you are charged with a crime, especially a misdemeanor, do you have the right to use one of those court rules to seek to have the case thrown out because the process has not been done correctly? Um. And uh, and part of that process might be, does the court even have subject matter jurisdiction, which is what the substance of this brief is? Um, does the district court have subject matter jurisdiction over this case? Uh, 
And, and so that's what I was asking. Does the district court, the trial court in my case, do they have subject matter jurisdiction? Uh, the trial court didn't answer that outright, but by continuing the case, the implied answer is yes. The prosecutor thinks, yes, the court has jurisdiction to hear the case. And I have a resounding, no, of course they don't have jurisdiction. If the court ha doesn't have jurisdiction, even if the other questions involved here don't lead you to some place, um, you know, they would otherwise be against my my interests and not in my favor. The court can't hear the case and the case must be dismissed. So each of those elements are important. Um, so anyway, that's just an example of a statement of questions involved. Um, you then have your statement of facts. Uh, so I go through the next, um, I don't know how many pages, eight pages of facts talking about what happened. You have to cite where you get your facts. You can't just say this is what happened and it's a fact and you have to believe me. You actually have to prove that by um, having, well, appendices, which here um, we cited in the page numbers, where um, where the um, um, fact came from. So when I say uh, that there was um, an election day summary that was used, I'm, I had the election day summary actually included in my appendix and the court could reference what it is I was talking about and they could see it for themselves. They didn't have to take my word for it. Um, you could see um, I'm referencing that um, Doreen involved in this case, the person whom I was responding to a request for legal help that day, that she was parked on the parking lot's far edge, fully uh, parked fully onto the grass. And then I put the um, page in the appendix where that fact is demonstrated. Sometimes you might have a picture to demonstrate your fact. Sometimes it's a police report. Sometimes it's um, an affidavit or a, a witness's statement. Uh, all of those things um, could be used um, as evidence in the case, but also in your um, in an appellate brief. So anyway, that's what you're seeing here is th these page numbers reference the essentially the evidence I have in the appendix that was filed with it. Um, so that's the statement of facts. Then you can go to the argument, which is your main statement of the case, right? It's, it's what's going on. So in my case, there's the argument, then there's, um, and I'm going to go back up to the table of contents because I think it's easier to see. My argument in this case is broken down, got to stop using my hand, uh, use my mouse, is broken down into these different sections. And you can click on each one uh, and it'll jump you right to that section. So uh, no sub, the court does, ha does not have any subject matter jurisdiction, thus my rights have been violated. Uh, authority is inherent in the people, not the government. Uh, the next big section is the clerk lacked lawful authority to force me to leave the property. The court erred in denying my motion to dismiss. Um, and so you go through um, all of these uh, different pieces here. Uh, in this particular brief, the things that you might find the most helpful, um, the whole thing, honestly, is something you should read at some point because I tried to write it very straightforward using what the law is, but writing it in a way that pieces it together for non-attorneys to be able to understand just the same as judges and attorneys. The main thrust of how the court, um, how the, the clerk had no authority to remove me um, is really in the midst of these eight pieces here. Um, 
the clerk didn't have a compelling interest to remove me. Um, the way they did it was not narrowly tailored to whatever the government interest was. Um, it was um, the resolution she was relying on was unconstitutionally vague and overbroad. Election law uh, trumps or uh, preempts um, this little resolution. And so it uh, negates any authority that the resolution would give her. Um, you can go on and on and on. One of the big ones I want you to focus on is um, ordinances are local laws. Resolutions are not laws. And it doesn't matter if it's at the state, local, or federal level. Resolutions are not laws. They're not binding on the people. Um, and uh, people that are serving as public officials cannot be arrested, um, but for certain circumstances. So I've had a lot of township, uh, um, newly elected township officials or school board members or people in a variety of government positions when they're doing their job and they're trying to do the right thing and follow the constitution, but they're being threatened with being removed or even arrested. We had a situation Oh, um, about a year ago, where the Michigan State Police was showing up into a northern community uh, in Michigan to shut down and physically remove the um, the township board because they were having a meeting in person. They don't have the authority to do that. Um, and one of the things uh, you can't arrest a township official for doing their job, but for certain situations. So um, that's also something um, maybe you want to focus on that argument, read that part of the brief, because you want to empower uh, your local officials to do the right thing and let them know, hey, you're not as much on the hook as you think. Uh, you have this protection to do the right thing. So here's the right thing. Please do it. Um, Anyway, uh, if you wanted to click on something like that, you can click and it'll take you right to that part in the brief. Uh, you can see that, um, oh, one of those things I've been telling you that as an attorney, I have a duty to uh, inform the public, to educate the public. Well, uh, it says that I have a duty to protect and inform the public and that's in, um, actually that's in a case, I totally forgot that. Um, that is in MCL 600.901. It's a state law. Uh, and it's that state law's um, compiler's note at the bottom is referencing Folk v. State Bar, a 1983 case. So both the Michigan Supreme Court and the Michigan legislature have said that attorneys have a duty to protect and inform the public. Uh, it's also in our... our um, uh, rules of professional conduct. But um, let's see, I'm looking for that part where it talks about, yes, all officers in the actual service of the state are privileged from arrest and imprisonment during the time of their actual service, except for treason, felony, or breach of the peace. And that's MCL 600.1825 subdivision three. So if you are someone who is a local official and you just want to do your job and hold your meetings in public and, uh, you know, whatever else there may be, and you have this threat of somebody trying to stop you from doing your job and you're worried about if you can truly be arrested for doing your job, um, here you go. Here's some information on how to help you in that regard. 
So um, at any rate, that's I, it's just a very brief introduction on how to walk through, uh, walk through a brief. Uh, you can see um, there's in appellate briefs, there's mine has a ton of footnotes. This particular one, I'm going to jump right to one of the very last um, sections of my brief here. Um, right at 60 pages, I have... 134 footnotes and a bunch of other citations that are written right into the brief itself. Like this references a case over here. This has a statute. This is a statute, a statute, a case. Um, and those aren't even in footnotes. So I have hundreds, hundreds of case citations of statute citations in this brief. It is, uh, it's a treasure trove of information that can help you. But the point of this video is to how to go through any brief that is properly done and what you're seeing and how to see it. Um, MRPC, Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct. Um, I'm trying to see what all, what other information might be helpful um, to say in here. Um, at any rate, um, and you'll see if, if if there's a quote and there's a case cited, this is um, it, it is the the main opinion of the case. Unless I saw in here, um, right here, for example, I have Justice Moody concurring in part, dissenting in part. So that particular citation, that particular quote, came from a case um, where um, it's not the main opinion that I was citing. But um, at any rate, the um, that's how to walk through a case. What I would say, this is my challenge to you this week. This is, and I'm going to, um, let's see, undo what I did here. Let's see if I can undo that. Okay. I'm going to make this a little bit smaller on my own screen so I can get back to any comments that we might have which I have not had any in a very long time. And usually, at least from Lori, there's something. So hopefully it's actually still going live and you're seeing this. But um, my challenge to you this week is pick one of these briefs. If you want to make it easy and you want me to pick one, uh, pick this very first one that we went with, which is on the Allegan County Election Day Trespass case. It's the very first brief. There's a motion here. Click the brief right here. The application to appeal is a brief. Um, so click that, open it up, use the table of contents, pick a topic that seems like it's the most interesting to you. Maybe you have a case that's currently pending you need help on. Maybe you fear you're about to be charged with something because the government is threatening to do more overreach and they're trying to come after you to stop you from exercising your constitutionally protected God-given freedoms. Um, whatever the case may be, maybe you don't have anything yet, but you certainly do know of people uh, that are going through something. If nothing specific comes to mind before you open this brief, then just go to the table of contents with an open mind. Just read this one page, this one page of the table of contents and look at what is it on here that jumps out at you. Something's got to jump out at you. Whatever that is, click on that section. Let's say um, ordinances, not resolutions, can regulate the people. Okay, I clicked on that. And you can see um, that that part of the argument here is not even a page and a half, 
maybe two pages. It starts on page 32 and it goes to page um, 34. Um, so not even a full two pages there. Okay. So that if that was the one you were going to pick, we're talking about less than two pages of reading here. Okay. You can do this. You have the time to read less than two pages that are double spaced um, in a fairly large font. So go through there, read that section, whatever section it is that you have picked and find a case, find a case that you are, you, you like that quote, or you just, it just kind of jumps out at you, or maybe you picked a small section and it's the only case that seems to be cited in that section. Keep in mind, a case might be in a footnote. These two particular pages um, don't have a ton of footnotes, but the case may be in a footnote or it may be in the text, like right here, Cox at 574 and in parentheses 1965, that's a case, or Michigan Gun. And there's also People v. Wilson. Um, those cases are being cited here. So pick one case, right? Um, this Michigan gun case. Gee, I don't know where this whole citation is missing here. Don't worry. That's where you can go right up to your table of authorities and look for the case that has, oops, I must have skipped it. Michigan gun. That's what we're looking for. Michigan gun owners v. Ann Arbor Public Schools in 2018, this Michigan Supreme Court case. So you found one section. Well, that'd be two. You found one section in this brief that looks interesting to you. One section. You pick one brief. You find one section in that brief. And then you find one case where maybe there's something that just, you know, there's an interesting quote or something. Maybe you're like, they didn't really say that. Is there really a case that said that? Or maybe you're an attorney and you're watching this part and you're thinking, she doesn't know what she's talking about. That case doesn't say that. And you want to challenge me on that. Whatever. Pick one statement that is it's cited by a case. Go up to the table of authorities so you can find the specific citation for that case. That'll make it the easiest for you. And search however you would like. My suggestion is that you copy the citation right here, okay? And that you go over to the, um, um, can't even think of, Google Scholar. Sorry, guys. Um, and I'm going to, let's see, I'm going to narrow, I'm going to get back out of all of this. I'm going to just go right back out. Shoot. How do I do this? I'm going to select court. So I'm going to clear all. I'm going to clear all. And I'm just going to say, maybe I forgot whether it's a Supreme Court or Court of Appeals case. So I'm just going to click Michigan and done. And make sure you clear off any filters you might have had. And I'm going to go ahead and paste that citation. For some reason, it deleted the space there. Um, so now we have Michigan courts. Um, we're going to put in that citation, hit enter. And it's actually going to bring up the exact case. So we are going to pull this up. Now, what quote was that that we were looking at? Um, I have no idea where we were. So give me a second. I'm going to go back to my table of contents and ordinances. Not resolutions can regulate the people. And looks like it was footnote 66 and it's page 707, but footnote 66, um, footnote 66, where is that? 
There it is. The expression of one thing suggests the exclusion of all others. Oh, that's a good one. It's in quotations. So I'm just going to copy that language that's in the quotation. I'm going to go back to the case. I'm going to cheat and use control F and paste. But why is it doing that? For some reason, it's not putting any spaces in there. So um, expression of one thing. I'm just going to delete this and start from scratch. Okay. Control F expression of one. All right. So then I found it. The expression of one thing suggests the exclusion of all others. So if you want to double check what that quote was, read it in a fuller context, see what the court was talking about there. You can do that. Uh, the page numbers on Google Scholar are off to the side and um, right here as well, sometimes. And sometimes the page numbers don't necessarily match up. There's two different ways of citing. So let me show you that because this case is doing that. So I was citing the Michigan reporter. So you can see, um, well, now I got to go back. Um, okay. I was citing 502, book 502 of the Michigan Services, page 695. But when I put that citation in, you see the number changed. It's able to still, okay, we're back. All right. Sorry for that guys. Okay. So, um, you can see that on uh, this, even though the numbers were different before and there was a mish in the middle, uh, this says 918 Northwest second 756. It's a different reporting system. It is the same case. This is the right case, but because it's a different book and a different reporting system, the page numbers are also going to be different, but don't worry about that. You found exactly what you were looking for. Um, and you can see here the case that was cited, it is citing based on those two different ways. So it's found in the book where it's book 500 of the Michigan Supreme Court cases, page 521 it starts on. And this case also is in the Northwest Second Reporter, reporter um, book 902 found on page 378. So anyway, don't worry about that. So that's why the page numbers won't necessarily line up when you're looking. Um, but if you use that control F function, you can find the specific phrases you are looking for. Um, and just keep all that in mind. So that is my challenge to you this week. Why? Because I want to bring cases to you in a more 
tangible, relatable, accessible matter. I want you to be able to go through and read a case. I want you to be able to find a case. I want you to be able to find parts of a case that you think would be helpful. If you have some big priced, overpriced attorney or a prosecutor or whatever on the other side, and you feel like you're all on your own, or maybe you don't feel like your attorney knows what they're doing, um, or maybe you are truly representing just yourself and you feel overwhelmed, I want you to be able to be on as equal of a footing as possible. You can do this. This is the way that you can double check things. There's a lot of attorneys out there that put quotes and they say, this case says that, and they don't know what they're talking about. They're totally lying. That is certainly the case with the prosecutor in my case. Uh, and if you want to read the back and forth, like my response briefs to their, um, their motions or their um, their, my reply briefs to their responses, uh, you'll see exactly how I show that they don't know what they're talking about and they're lying about what the case even says. So with that being said, hopefully this a uh, little bit longer of a video was enough to bring this information a little bit more uh, down to earth for you that you can find some free tools on how to get started and how to find um, cases that can help you, uh, considering that all those around us are so overly concentrated on case law. Uh, and um, I'm hoping that uh, all these tools will be useful. But I'm telling you what, sometime in the next seven days, you have to go and do this challenge. It honestly won't take you that long. Reading two or even 10 pages won't take you that long. You're not going to be quizzed on it later. It's to give you something you can find an interest in and be able to find the case related to that, um, find that citation, go over to Google Scholar, see if you can pull that case up and walk through these steps yourself. There's other case um, ways that you can find cases, but this is honestly one of the best ways that you could do it for free. And it, the ease of use is, is a lot um, it's easier to use than a lot of other um, resources as well. So I think that's all. I gave you the challenge for the week. We talked about the Bible verse of the week. I gave you the constitutional provisions, uh, my take on or example um, or discussion on a big topic such as bringing yourself through legal briefs and cases. Hopefully uh, these are, are all um, bringing you uh, education to move you forward in your fight for freedom. I look forward to hearing from all of you as to uh, what time of day or week tends to work best. Uh, right now, it looks like um, Tuesdays during the noon hour is going to be a time that would work best, but let us know your thoughts. And um, as always, thank you for tuning in and for desiring to learn more in your fight for freedom. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.